Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. Do you have your Bibles tonight? Amen. You ready to receive the word? Amen. I'd like you to go to Isaiah chapter 66, and I think it's where we're going to begin our journey tonight. I want to speak to you for the next few moments about becoming a voice for God. Isaiah 66. <laughs> Lizzie, I hear you singing over there and you're you're stirring me up. You just don't stop singing, but I'm you're keeping me in the throne zone. <laughs> you're over there on that wall and it's kind of coming up. It's kind of landing on me. And uh, you're, you're keeping me in the spin before the throne. I love it. So proud of you. So proud of you. Yep, she has a beautiful voice, doesn't she? She really does. You know, thank you, Lord, you're getting my attention. You know, when I, when I was worshiping tonight, the Lord kept drawing my attention to you, Lizzie. I started praying over you. You were there and your, your hands were just out about like this. Just sitting before the Lord, and I just, I've, I mean, I've known you since, I, I think I've known you since you were probably one, one-year-old, and watching you grow up, now being in the school of ministry, I'm just so proud of you. And I was just praying over you, watching you worship, and I was thinking about just that beautiful mothering heart that is so large on the inside of you, that mothering, nurturing heart, and that spirit and the anointing on your life. And I just thank the Lord for what he's doing. I just pray it just increases and increases and increases. Just supernatural blessing, favor on your life, your dreams coming true, your dream husband coming into your life. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Gifts and surprises upon Lizzie. Everybody just say that, gifts and surprises. Upon Lizzie. Everybody say it. Gifts and surprises upon Lizzie. Amen. Somebody shout over that. Amen. She's, a, she's an all-star in this house. I'm going to tell you right now. She's an all-star in this house. We have such a wonderful family. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Last week, um, we took some time and I imparted a message called Discovering Your Prophetic Voice. And tonight again, I want to speak on becoming a voice for God. Are you in Isaiah 66? I'm going to read from the Amplified Translation. So if it's a little louder, then you, you understand why. It's kind of... <laughs> this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Wow. Wow. Let's read that together. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you can build for me? And where will my resting place be? For all these things my hand has made, so all these things came into being by and for me, declares the Lord. Watch this. But to this one I will look graciously. But to this one I will look graciously. To him or her who is humble and contrite in the spirit, and who reverently trembles at my word and honors my command. Oh, isn't that powerful? To him who, tr who is humble and contrite in spirit, who reverently trembles at my word and honors my commands. This, this is what God says. He says that this is the person that I am looking for. 
This is what God is saying. God, breathe this word into Isaiah's heart, into Isaiah's spirit. He says, the kind of person that I'm looking for is actually the one who is humble. I'm looking for the person who is humble. I'm looking for the person who is contrite. I'm looking for the person who is broken over sin. This is God Almighty speaking. Who is the person that God is looking for? Is it you? Is it you that God is looking for? I want you to, I want you to stop for a moment tonight, and I, I want you to ask yourself this very question. Do I, do I match the description of the person whom God is looking for? Do, do I match the description of who God is looking for? He says, but to the one I will look graciously to him who is humble, who is contrite in spirit, who reverently trembles at my word and honors my command. I'm married to a person who's in this room that is like that. When I think of someone who is humble, when I think of someone who is contrite in spirit, who reverently trembles before the word of the Lord, who honors the Lord's command, I, the first person I think of is my wife. It's true. Are we someone who trembles at God's word? It's the person who God is looking for, the person who is humble, the person who trembles at the word of God, wow. Last week I, I quoted a verse out of 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and in verse 9, and it says that the eyes of the Lord, they, they roam to and fro throughout the entire earth, looking and seeking out whose hearts are loyal unto him. And I love this promise, that he might show himself strong or mighty on their behalf. Ooh, let that warm your heart tonight. Let that just fan the embers on your heart. Let that stir passion. Let that stir desire within you tonight. Let this be an encouragement to you that the Lord is still seeking out his men and women who have a heart that is reverent and loyal and honorable to him, that he can show himself strong and mighty on your behalf, on your behalf. You know, God knows where you're at. God knows your address. God knows how to find. You know that? God knows your address, not just Amazon Prime. God knows your address, Mark. <laughs> I know Amazon Prime is at your house a lot. But God knows your address. He knows where you're at. I remember my, my friend Dutch many, many years ago. He was, he was so broken. He was so hurt with God. and he, he was going through the greatest challenge of his life and seeing his family ripped apart and separated and he was away from God and he was doing some drugs and he was in a bar and he was he was drinking there and and all of a sudden the presence of God showed up at that bar and he heard the voice of the Lord and he said Dutch what are you doing here that kind of startled him and he said uh well what are you doing here <laughs> What are you doing here? You know, the Lord knows where to find you. You could be in a bar and God can find you. Amen. Come on. But I love this, and I can't get away from, us, from this. It says that God is, God is seeking out those who tremble. This, this really has been capturing my heart. It seems, like, it seems like in this generation, in this time, people come to the table of the Lord, to the word of the Lord so casually, so cavalier, so presumptuous. It's like, it's like this generation just basically has, when it comes to the word of the Lord, a lot of Christians are really just carrying mere preferences of the word rather than deep abiding conviction to the word of the Lord.
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what the Holy Spirit is really saying tonight? You know, if Jeremiah the prophet was here, and he is here through the written word, aren't you glad that the prophet Isaiah is still speaking in 2019? Come on, aren't you glad the prophet Jeremiah is still speaking in 2019? If he was here tonight, he would tell us that what it feels like. In Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version here, the prophet Jeremiah, I want to give you language for this tonight. If, if Jeremiah was to describe the trembling, remember, God seeks out those who tremble at his word. He, he seeks those who honor his command. Jeremiah would tell you the trembling feels like this. He said, then I, then I said, I, I will not make mention of him, nor will I speak any more of his name but his word was in my heart like a burning fire and it was shut up in my bones i was weary of holding it back and i could not i just want to give you more language for what it actually means to tremble at the word of the lord see if you if you, if you tremble at the word of the Lord, it means that you fear God's very presence, that you're in such awe, that you're in such reverence. I got to say it again. I got to say it again. I know I said it last week, but A.W. Tozer, he said, when we come into the, the church, we're not expecting to be entertained. We should never expect to be entertained. I, I, I don't want our worship leaders to ever feel like, oh, we need to entertain the folks tonight. No. A.W. Tozer writes, he says, we should expect the high and holy presence of God. It's coming to revere God. It's, it's, it's us coming together to actually capture another encounter, not just a glimpse, but coming to an ever-increasing, greater encounter of God. That's what our worship is really about. It's, our worship is not a preliminary that just gets us to the real bulk of the night so we can open our Bibles. No, it's not. It's about us really encountering God and coming into a fresh revelation of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. And I know this is, you don't hear a lot of this over the pulpit in 2019. That's why our nation is an absolute mess. That's why you got the Ten Commandments being taken down from national monuments all over state capitals in this nation and being hidden in buildings and covered up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jeremiah said, the trembling is like having fire inside your bones. The trembling is like having fire on the inside of your bones. For me tonight in worship, it was like fire burning in my heart. It was like fire just burning in me. That fire never sleeps. That fire never sleeps. That burning, that kindling of God in my heart, that reverence, that, that fear of our Heavenly Father, that honor, that reverence for our Holy Father, it's like a fire. Wow. You know, the greatest thing in the world is to hear the voice of God. Do you believe that? The greatest thing in the world is to hear the very voice of God. Your heart will sing. Your heart will dance at hearing the voice of God. Your heart will spin and dance at hearing the voice of God. I remember one, one day being, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but I remember being down on Sarasota Bay, and the Lord gave me a life-altering, life-changing word for a young couple down there that was on a fast inquiring and asking a question of the Lord. And the Lord gave me that answer to give to them. And I was minding my own business. I was laying in the grass reading a new book on prayer by John Wesley. So excited. But the Lord started speaking to me about this couple. You know what? Hearing the voice of God is the most exciting thing on planet earth. 
hearing the Lord afresh in the still small voice of him telling you and reminding you how much he loves you and cherishes you and adores you and thinks of you will set your heart on fire. I would rather hear God's voice rebuking me than anybody else's thousands of voices giving me flattery. Remember what it means to tremble. I want to review some things tonight. If we tremble at God's word, tremble means what? It means to revere. If I tremble, then I, I revere. If I tremble, it means I, I honor. If I tremble, it means that I hold with deep and sacred respect. Wow. I love these big words like sacred. These are special words. You don't hear them much anymore. People come to church very casually, you know. And then, you know, there's sectors of the church, you know, that, that have the candles lit and, and all of the religious stuff. And then yet people can even find a lifelessness to that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But I'm talking about the presence of God. The presence of God that makes you tremble. And you, once again, you discover this is sacred. This is holy. It's where we were going tonight. This is sacred. This is holy. This is under the Lord. This is why I've come. To sing again. To declare again. To say again. He's holy. He's holy. He's worthy. And I could say it all night long. He's holy. And if that was just my message, he's holy. He's worthy. He's holy. He's worthy. Because in between the angels, the seraphim and the cherubim, they are looking at one another saying, he's holy. He's worthy. He's holy. He's worthy. And if we would just start looking at each other during times at victory and just saying, he's holy. He's worthy. He's holy. He's worthy. Wow. Wow. In Psalm 2, in verse 11, it says, Serve the Lord with fear, and that means to honor and give reverence, and celebrate his rule with trembling. Wow. You know, a lawless generation needs to hear this in this hour. You know, a lawless generation that is giving the finger to God right now and saying, we don't have to serve you. We don't have to fear you. We don't have to listen to your book. They need to hear this. They need to hear this. Serve the Lord with fear and honor and celebrate his rule, his rule with trembling. Tell you what, folks, God is in charge. And one day, we're going to stand before him and give an account to who's in charge and who has all authority. If I tremble, it means that I appreciate. Can, can we use that word when it comes to God? Lord, I appreciate you. I mean, uh, every woman in this church loves to hear, hey, I appreciate you. Every wife in this building tonight loves to hear from her husband, I appreciate you. Every, for that matter, every husband likes to hear from his wife, I appreciate you. Can you say that to God? Can you just say that in your fellowship, and your friendship with God? God, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate your presence. I love your presence. I, I love how you're right here in me, upon me, all around me. I appreciate you, God. If I tremble before God, it means I cherish God. That's a good word. I cherish God. I value God. I treasure Him. I treasure His voice. That's what it means. If I tremble, I treasure the voice of God. I, I treasure the inner witness in my spirit. That still, small voice. See, see we've got to stop. See, when we think about thanking God for the small things and the big things. Let me, let me give you a small thing. Well, it, it's a big thing, but but maybe it's a small thing. Y'all you, you, understand. So I I wake up this morning, and the first thing that I'm it's just flowing out of my spirit is I'm I'm praying for Kanye West. 
I, I'm just, I, as soon as I wake up, I just I start praying for Kanye West. And I've been thinking about when Bob Dylan got saved. He got radically saved. And, and Bob Dylan began to write these amazing, powerful songs that became anthems. And Bob Dylan went off to Bible college and went to Christ, Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas, Texas, and was hot after God, writing songs and pursuing God. His heart was on fire. But you know what happened? The pressures of people and the cares of life, the pressure of the culture, and all of that slime that he was coming out from was pulling him back and pulling him back and pulling him back and pulling him back. I'll tell you what, I don't want to see that happen to Kanye West. I thank God. i tell you what, I believe in his encounter. I believe he has encountered Jesus. I believe it is legit. Amen? I believe it. But I was praying for him. And you know what? What I thank God for is I'm hearing his still small voice. You got to thank the Lord for that. When that inner witness, when God starts letting things in your heart leap, thank him for it. Don't just pray. Thank him that he's speaking specifically and targeting those things. Are you still with me tonight? Last week I shared with you that that honor, when we, when we tremble before God, it means that we're honoring God. Honor is what literally attracts the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Humility, again, this is all tied to trembling. Humility will actually sustain the anointing in your life. If honor attracts the anointing, then humility is what sustains the anointing in your life. But if we could go to a whole nother level, holiness is what will protect the anointing in your life. You choosing to be a man and a, and a woman who will live pure, who will decide to live clean. That, that whatever it is that vexed you, tormented you, was your vice, was your persuasion, what, what, what was your, once your perversion, whatever it is. If you will denounce that and divorce yourself from that, cut the alliance, cut the cord to that and say, I'm going to give myself to God, to holiness and purity at all costs. It'll protect the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. Man, give God praise for that, eh? Come on, give God praise for it. It'll protect the anointing on your life. If you do these things, see folks, if you do these things, if you'll, if you'll honor the anointing. And who is the anointing? It's the Holy Spirit. If you'll honor the Holy Spirit, if you'll walk humbly before the Holy Spirit, if you'll live holy before God, then you know what will happen? God will start trusting you to be a man and a woman of God that can carry His voice. God will start trusting you to become a messenger and have his voice in your voice. Do you know a simple prayer that I pray all the time over my life? I ask God and I say, Lord, let your anointing be in my voice. And I don't mean just when I'm preaching the gospel. I mean when I'm everywhere. When I'm everywhere, Lord. Let your anointing be in my voice. I was at Chipotle a couple weeks ago, went into Fruitville, Fruitville Road location, and amen. Somebody say glory to God for Chipotle. Are you with me tonight? I need to know you're with me. So I go into Chipotle, and I was the only one in line, and I, and I got to the end, and this young girl was looking at me, and she's smiling. I'm like, hey, how you doing? And so she rings me up, and she says, you're a minister, aren't you? You're a pastor, aren't you? I mean, right away, you're a minister. You're a minister. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. She's like, I, I could tell. I, I, could, I could tell. And I'm like, what do you mean you could tell? She's like, I could feel it. I could feel it. And I went, I, as soon as I heard you talking to him, and I'm, I'm like, all I'm saying is chicken. <laughs> all I'm saying is light on the white rice, more chicken. She felt the anointing. I was listening to you talk. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You need to say chicken. Glory. Hold the guac. <laughs> Hold the guac. The guac's for my bride. It was awesome. 
But I'm telling you, I pray all the time, Lord, let your anointing be in my voice. And I pray, God, let your anointing be in my pre- on my presence. Let your anointing be in my touch. That when I'm with my family, when I'm, when I'm with the church, when I'm with my friends, that your anointing is upon me. See, where it all starts in becoming a voice for God is trembling at His Word. It's honoring and cherishing the voice and the Word of the Lord. And the more that you honor and the more that you cherish His voice and you cherish His Word, deep down inside of you, God will trust you to become a voice for Him. And it's where we're going Because America and the nations desperately need you and I to become a voice for God. Wow. If I tremble at God's word, it means it's a manifestation that I fear him. When I fear the Lord, it means that I will fear the Lord And I will obey the Lord even when it doesn't make sense. And I said this last week. You've got to be courageous to obey the Lord even when it doesn't make sense. You've got to obey the Lord even when it makes you look foolish or even when it puts you out or even when it makes you uncomfortable. You've got to fear and honor the Lord and obey Him when it doesn't make sense. And I, I... there is something about this generation that they are, they are almost adamant about having to know everything before they obey God. they got to know everything before they're willing to step out and obey God. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you, folks, and it's to help you, it doesn't work that way. This is a faith walk. Understanding does not come first. If Moses was here, he would tell you, understanding never comes first. If Abraham was here tonight, he would tell you, understanding never comes first. You know what comes first? Faith does. Faith does. Faith does. Wow. But can I tremble at God's word? Because if if faith comes first, then that means when I hear God speak, It shakes me so much on the inside. I I forget about my limitations. And I think about his limitlessness and say, okay, God is saying do this. It has to be true. God is saying do this. It has to be true. And I want to tell you folks, let me go on the record tonight. God is worthy of your trust. God is worthy of your trust. Glory to God. Secondly, when we grab hold of the fear of God, we will obey God even when we don't see the benefit. Oh, this is a hard one, isn't it? See, our reward should not be our motive. Our reward should not be our motive. God, what's in it for me? We've all said that. But God's after taking the axe to the root of that. Taking that out. God, what's in it for me? What are you going to do for me? What I'm getting at, what I'm working at with the Holy Spirit with right now in this message is if I fear the Lord, I will obey Him because I love Him and I fear Him, and that is enough. That has to be enough, folks. Are you hearing this tonight? When I tremble at the Word of God, it means that that I will obey God to completion. I will obey God to completion. You may want to write that down over your life. I will obey God to completion. What what does that mean? See, again, if, if Abraham was here and he was to start talking to us about what it was like to receive a word to go and offer Isaac and bring him to the top of Mount Moriah and offer his his promised son. 
Abraham was so convinced that if he offered Isaac that God would raise him from the dead and give him back to him. But see, in friendship with God, God wants to talk about the intimate matters of the things that is actually going in on, on the inside of God's heart. So when God started speaking to Abraham as a friend, Abraham wasn't going, what's in it for me? Abraham didn't know how God was actually going to provide the ram in the thicket. But he, when he was going up this side of the mountain, God was directing the ram on the other side of the mountain. Are you seeing it? Faith and obedience was about to meet God's provision. Can you see it? But he didn't know it was a faith walk. He didn't know how it was going to work out. He didn't know how it was going to look. It was a faith walk. What I love is that God loved Abraham so much as a friend that he wanted to share with him that one day he would have to give his only beloved son himself. And that's why he wanted his friend to feel what God would actually feel. When God wants to share his feelings with you, I don't know if you've thought about that recently, but what if God wants to share his feelings with you? What if God wants to share his emotions with you? It'll happen in friendship. If you want to read up on that, go to Genesis chapter 22 this coming week and read it again. Ask the Holy Spirit for revelation. You still with me tonight? See, to become a voice for God, you've got to honor his word. To become a voice for God, you'll have to cherish God's word. You will actually have to hold God's word in the highest regard in your relationship with him. In the highest regard. His word will have to become the final authority in your life. Folks, I can't get it any clearer. His word will have to become the final authority in our lives. While our generation is looking to box in Christianity right now to censor you, to come after you. Listen, <laughs> I, I have a friend in Ohio, and I remember him going to the governor of Ohio and the state officials of Ohio Soon after, gay marriage became a legislation in all 50 states from, from the Carolinas to California. And I remember the story of him sitting in front of Governor Kasich in the state of Ohio and how they were so grieved. And he said to those pastors that sat in front of him, he said, you should have saw this coming a long time ago. You should have saw this coming a long time ago. And you want me to do something about it in, in Ohio? You should have saw this coming a long time ago. One of the pastors spoke up in that meeting. And he said, well, I'm sorry. He said, many in the church are so asleep to these cultural issues. And you know what he said? He pointed his finger at him and he said, well, that's your job. Go wake them up. Wow. See, we live in a generation, folks, that despise the word of God. We live in a generation that is spitting on the word of God, that laughs at his word, that mocks his word. Remember who's in charge. God will not be mocked. For whatever a man sows, that also will he reap. Wow. John the Baptist, John chapter 3, I want you to look at a scripture again that I was harvesting out of last week. John 3. John the Baptist said, he said, the, he called himself a friend of the bridegroom. I love this. He called himself the friend of the bridegroom. And he said that, John says, the friend of the bridegroom stands. You got to see it. He stands and he hears him. Isn't that awesome? I stand before God and I hear him. You know that you know his voice? You know his voice. You know how I know that? You're the sheep of his pasture. 
He says, my sheep, Jesus says, my sheep, they know my voice. And the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. You know his voice. John says, I'm a friend of the bridegroom. I stand and I hear him. And I rejoice greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. And therefore, his joy, this joy of mine is now fulfilled. Watch these next words. He has to increase. And I've got to decrease. Wow. You stand before the Lord and you hear his voice. You treasure the bridegroom's voice. And you recognize that in your own life, you have to decrease. And the voice of the Lord has to become your thunder and your lightning. John was a burning lamp. He was a shining lamp because he stood before the Lord. He wasn't desiring to stand before people. He was desiring to stand before the burning one and to be set ablaze. Are you hearing this tonight? If you're satisfied with just coming to church, this message is not for you. If you're satisfied with just coming to church, being part of a church, being part of a church family, that's good. But really this message is not even for you. If you have a burning passion in your heart to become a voice, a mouthpiece for God, this message is for you. John was a man who became a forerunner. John became a forerunner. He became that voice that prepared the way of the Lord. He was a burning man. And his training happened in a very peculiar place. It was called the wilderness. And we shared about this last week because when you enter into a wilderness with God, see, if you're going to become a voice for God, you have to know what's coming. You have to know what's coming. A wilderness will come. And it's important that you understand the process of God, that the wilderness is not something to run from. It's something to embrace. Because God will start shaping you, sculpting you, pruning you, fashioning you. He will rebuke you. He will discipline you. He will sift you. And the Bible says that John actually spent years in the wilderness before he became that voice and that vessel that prepared the way of the Lord. You need to understand, guys, in this hour, there is a generation right now that is about to emerge into a manifestation that is coming out of a wilderness where God has been sculpting the bride of Christ Fashioning his church, rebuking his church, disciplining his church that are going to come out of the wilderness so powerful, burning ones that are going to prepare the way of the Lord. And I am talking about the return of our King the return of the Son of the Lamb of God. There is a generation that's going to herald the Word. They are the friends of the bridegroom. They will be the fearless ones that God will have burned out the fear of man on the inside of them. I'm in that process. I'm telling you, I'm in that process. I'm in that burning. I'm still in those fires where God is burning the fear of man out of me so I can become a vessel of honor, so that I can become that forerunner that he's demanding me to be. And I'm telling you, folks, God is summoning us. He is invoking you. He is summoning you. He is issuing the invitations. Who will go for us? Who will be my voice? Who will be my mouthpiece in the earth? Let God prune you. Let God shape you. Let God sculpt you. Don't be afraid of this. It's good. Don't be afraid of it. It's good. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 80, it tells us this. It says, the child grew. Who's it talking about? John. He grew and he became strong in the spirit. 
He lived in the desert until the day of his public appearance or his manifestation to Israel. I want you to see that. He, he actually grew in stature, strong in the spirit. Aren't you glad that things take a process? Nothing happens overnight. Things actually require a process. You know, thank God that Josiah stayed in Bren nine months. I needed nine months to get ready to become a dad. <laughs> I'm thankful she didn't say, I'm pregnant. And the next morning, he's here. No, it was a process. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's a process. And you and I are in a great, glorious, glorious process where God is refining us and getting us ready so that we can become a mighty instrument and a mighty voice to this generation in this hour. Man, I feel this. This is, oh. Hmm. You know, Paul, I, I, I got to obey the Holy Spirit. You know, the Apostle Paul, he said that you never raise up a novice and put them into leadership. You don't do that. And I was praying over Kanye West, and I, I, I'm, I'm drifting back here for a moment. But this, I believe this is important. I feel like the Holy Spirit, this is in the wheel tonight. When, when I'm praying over Kanye West, fo folks, he's not my pastor. He's not my apostle. Are you hearing me? He's an entertainer. He's an artist. But he's got an anointing from the Holy Ghost that is on his life. But it doesn't mean that he's my leader, and suddenly he's my mouthpiece, and he's my prophet. No, no, he's not. No, he's not. And you don't look to a novice to become your leader. But you pray for a novice that God is able to shape them and sculpt them and keep them safe so that they can continue to be used by the hand and the voice of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, I believe that humility was actually forged in John the Baptist's heart. John the Baptist. He wasn't Methodist. He wasn't Episcopal. He was Baptist. I believe, oh, come on, give me some slack. I believe that through the years of John's life, humility was actually forged. We all have to get over ourselves. And that doesn't mean that we all have some inflated uh, ego. You know, it's, it's hard to get over yourself. It, it's hard to get over your insecurities. It's hard to get over the limits that you have been convinced of for a long time. It's hard to get over your family. Everybody's quiet. Oh, I have relatives in here. <laughs> It's hard to get over where you've come from. You don't have to have some massive ego to, for it to be hard to get over yourself. But see, I believe in the wilderness, John was convinced of his true identity. And that's what has to happen to you and I. We have got to be forged in the fire of God that we become sure of our eternal identity. And we know who we are as sons and daughters of God. That we grow up and we become mature in the identity that God has made us his sons and his daughters. But not only that, that God wants to convince you. He wants you to be his voice. He wants you to become his voice. And see, when... When John came into his identity, this is what happened. He chose an extravagant lifestyle of devotion. You know what that is? That means you tremble at the word of the Lord. Think about your life right now. Think, are you choosing, are you choosing, you, an extravagant life of sacrifice and devotion unto God so that you can actually become the man and the woman of God that he's called you to be? It's real questions. But then John did this. He began to courageously obey the call of God on his life so that he could start trumpeting 
the call of God of repentance to a nation. Pastor Brian, that's your job. That's the job of those in the ministry. No, 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 it's not. It's our job. It's our job. God wants to raise you up to be a trumpet. Not just Donald Trump to be a trumpet, according to Prophet Kim Clement. But what if God wants to raise you up to be a trumpet? I'm knocking on your heart tonight. The Holy Spirit's knocking tonight. What I love about John the Baptist is he didn't seek to be great before men. But he sought to become great before God. There's too many people out there, folks, that they have such a burning to be famous. And God's not calling you to be famous. He's not calling me to be famous. I, I, I was in Subway today having lunch. And a guy walked over to me and thought I was a, a famous country western singer. I'm not kidding. Bothered me so bad. I'm enjoying my sub and... He, was, he kept looking at me, just kept looking at me, and his wife was there, and she kind of hit him like, what are, you, what are you doing? He came over and asked me if I was this country western star. I said, no, man, I'm, I'm not famous. He's like, you're not? I'm like, no. And there's this huge country western star in our town right now. He, and and he, told me, he told me the story that the guy has flown down 161 friends of his to party here in Sarasota. And I'm like, well, I hope they get a God encounter in our city. <laughs> I'm serious. But, but what, what I'm getting at is God hasn't called you and I to be famous. He's called you and I to be faithful. I like that too. If I tremble at God's word, if I, if I, if I, if I learn the path of faithfulness, if I honor God's word, if I, if I reverence God's word, if I reverence his presence, I'm going to be that man on the path that is a very narrow path. I'm not going to be found on that broad way. I'm going to be found on that narrow path. Honoring the word of the Lord, learning how to become a voice, learning how to become a messenger for God. There's a joy in hearing the voice of God. You got, you got 10 more minutes in you? Seriously, you got 10 more minutes? Cody, I'll have you coming in nine and a half minutes to help me. Love you. There's a joy in hearing the voice of God. It comes through communion with God. It comes through quality time with God. It comes through friendship with God. It comes through fellowship with God. And I want to say this again. I said it last week. The human heart was created to hear God speak to it. Your human heart was created for God to speak to it. You know how you hear God? You hear Him with your heart. That's how you hear God. Amen? Wow. I want us to become people who are so obsessed with God that He becomes our divine obsession. I want us to be a people who tremble and fear the presence of the Lord, that we give God such glory and honor as we come together corporately as a family, that God starts making us mighty messengers in this house. I believe in the days and months and years to come, God's going to fling out mighty messengers into all spheres of this community, mighty messengers to the education mountain. Mighty messengers to the government mountain. Mighty messengers to the political mountain. Are you hearing me? Mm. It's coming. It's coming. God, we got a lot here tonight. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I'm going to read the first four verses, and I'm in the New King James tonight. And we're just about there. We're just about there. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it says, pursue love. Are you there? Pursue love 
and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. That's simple, isn't it? He who speaks in tongue, he's not speaking to men, he's speaking to God, for no one understands him. However, the Spirit, he speaks, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So what is prophecy? Let's answer that tonight. Prophecy in its most basic form is hearing from God and speaking what you hear to men and women. That's prophecy. Isn't that simple? Prophecy is what? In its most basic form, it means you're hearing something from God. And you speak what you hear to men and women. That's prophecy. But I want you to notice something in the very front of the scripture, the very first verse. It says that the foundation of prophetic ministry is love. You see that? Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Don't miss that. Don't jump over it. Don't hurdle it. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy, but you've got to see the foundation of it is love. Because the truth is, we're never going to be effective of partnering with the Holy Spirit for others until we're actually walking in love. Can I get an amen anywhere in this quiet sanctuary? If I start carrying the desires of God... If I start carrying the love of God, Romans chapter 5 says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's been poured out. The Holy Spirit's been poured out upon you. If I walk in this love, then I'm to burn for, I'm to desire spiritual gifts, but that I may prophesy. If you're going to prophesy, what does that mean? In its most elementary form, it means you're going to become a voice for God. If you're going to be a prophetic man, if you're going to be a prophetic woman, that means you're going to become a voice for God. But the foundation of it is love. So don't miss these words. Look what the Apostle Paul says in the first verse. He says, desire spiritual gifts. Are you thinking, are you just reading this or are you thinking it through? Are you desiring spiritual gifts in your life? Are you desiring spiritual gifts in your life right now? Is it somewhere, is there somewhere I, you could turn to the pages in your journal right now that you're desiring a spiritual gift, the gift of faith, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healings, the gift of miracles, the gift of, of administration? I, I, what is it? That you're desiring from God. He says, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. This is Bible stuff. This isn't spooky stuff, mysterious stuff. This is Bible. Desire spiritual gifts. This is the new normal, right? So what, what does prophecy do? It's the new normal. What does prophecy do? Let's answer that question. Paul already did it for us. Thank you very much, Paul. He's still preaching to us. Verse 4. He says that prophecy speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. What does that mean? If, if prophecy edifies, it means that it builds up. If I, where do we get the word edify? We get it from the word edifice. Look up right now. You see that? That's an edifice. That means this building was built up to a peak. You're sitting inside of an Ephesus uh, or, or an edifice. Ephesus. <laughs> You're not sitting in Ephesus. You're in Sarasota. Let's get, our, let's get that right. You're inside of an edifice. And so prophecy builds up. It creates a structure. Do you see that? It brings structure. It also says prophecy exhorts. What does exhort mean? It means there's life-giving, strengthening encouragement. If, 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 I, if I exhort somebody, it means I'm giving a life-giving, life-bearing Word to them, I'm strengthening and I'm literally encouraging them. That's what the prophetic gift does. And then it says it brings comfort to men. You see that? What does comfort mean? It, it means to bring the awareness of God into their midst. 
I want to say that again. If you comfort somebody, it means you bring the awareness of God into their midst. Isn't that good? You make people aware of what they have access to. I want to say tonight boldly, as we go into this new year, we go into 2020, it's not about what we're up against. It's what we have access into. The prophetic word is to bring that comfort. And the comfort makes us aware that God is literally in your midst. God's not busy. He's not off making worlds somewhere. He's right in your midst. He's with you. And if you prophesy, if you desire spiritual gifts, if you burn, as Paul says, zealously, for spiritual gifts, pursue love as your foundation. If you don't pursue love, you're going to miss it altogether. You're, you're, you're going to become uh, difficult. <laughs> pursue love. Pursue love, but then desire spiritual gifts. See, I'm praying that our hearts would be fanned into desire and flame to become a voice for God. That means... You're going to walk in your prophetic nature. You have to walk in your prophetic nature. There is a nation. There is a city. There is a people. There is a school. There is a job site that desperately needs your voice to be anointed for God. There are words there are words. That's why I encourage Sandra all the time in the prophetic because it's one of the gifts in her life. It's not just singing. It's not just leading us in worship. It's prophetic. Because when you stand before the Lord, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to listen and you're supposed to see and declare. You're supposed to listen, you're supposed to see, and you're supposed to declare. And I'm speaking that over every one of you. Friends of the bridegroom that stand before God, you're to see, you're to listen, and then you're to declare what God is saying. And I'm telling you, America is hungry to hear the voice of God. You don't think they're hungry? Look at Kanye West. You don't think the African, come on church, are you hearing me tonight? Look at what God is doing in the African American community right now. My God. God wants you to become his mouthpiece. I hope that when you hear me preach, I hope that when I pause, when you, when you hear me declare over you, God wants you to become his mouthpiece, I hope that you start making the, dec the decree back to God, God, I want to be your mouthpiece. Or do you just let it just kind of bounce off your forehead and roll around the floor somewhere, hopefully somebody will scoop it up and put it in their pocket. I hope you respond with faith, that you're actually hearing this in faith. God, I want to become your mouthpiece. I'm preaching to you back there, Caleb, up right up there against the wall. I've known you since the day you were born. I hope that within you, you're having a resounding, yes, God, I'll be your mouthpiece. You don't have to be Brian. You have to be you. And all you got to do is tremble and fear the Lord. And when you hear him speak, just prophesy what you see and what you hear. Cody, come or I'm going to preach for an hour. Save me. Save me. Come. Come. I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter 1 for a moment. And I've got about just a few more things to say to you, and then I'm going to wrap it up. <laughs> wrap, wrap it up. <laughs> Jeremiah was so used as a mouthpiece of God. He became a voice for God. Jeremiah, remember, was the one that told us tonight. He said... I can't hold back God's word because it, it's like a fire down in my bones. I, I tried to actually hold back. I, I tried to muzzle myself, but I couldn't. I couldn't relent. I couldn't hold it in. God's word was in me like a fire. So this is what he says in verse 9 and 10. He says that God had called him literally to uproot and to tear down and destroy and to overthrow. And then to build and to plant. How did he do that? He became a voice for God. And he started uprooting things, tearing down things, 
destroying things and overthrowing things and then to build and to plant. How many of you would say that's a powerful calling? And I wonder, I wonder if we would really take hold of our prophetic nature and our prophetic identity. What the church can do, the church that Jesus is building that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against. I wonder if we started speaking and declaring and tearing down the works of darkness and speaking out against them and decreeing, this is unlawful, this is grieving unto God, and it will not stand in our nation any longer. It seems like the church has been a little late running to the front lines to deal with the real battle. It seems like the church has been hiding away in their sanctuaries, acting like they're doing God a favor, showing up twice a week. And we've been really late to the battle. And all the while, the enemy's been discipling our nation. But I'm going to tell you what, things are going to change. Things are going to change. I want to say five things to you in closing. Put your Bible aside. If there was ever a need, if there was ever a need for you being a voice for God, it is now. I got to say it to you again. If there was ever a need for you, Jeff Highfield, to be a voice for God, it is now. You are a voice for God, Jeff. You are a voice for God, Jeff. Next, I want to say to you, God's voice can be powerful through you to accomplish great things. God's voice can be powerful through you to accomplish great things. God's going to have you speak. You know, it's not going to be long from now, Aaron. We're going to be putting on It's a Wonderful Life is going to come on. And good old George Bailey is going to come along. He's going to be standing on that bridge crying out, Clarence, oh God. Are you with me? And the story is about what? The power of what? One life makes a difference. Your life makes a difference. Your voice makes a difference. Your voice to your children make a difference. Your voice to your grandchildren make a difference. Your voice to your friends, your voice to this community, it makes a difference. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit has to be in your voice and in your heart like a fire in your belly. And you're going to have good words to bring. Sometimes you're going to tear down. Sometimes you're going to uproot. Sometimes you're going to plant. Sometimes you're going to bless. Sometimes you're going to encourage. Sometimes you're going to comfort. Sometimes you're going to edify. You're going to strengthen. You're going to have that word to strengthen that individual. God needs your voice. If there was ever a time that you need to be a voice for God, it's now. My prayer is that you're hearing this, and and what's burning on the inside of you is that, God, I want to become a voice. I want to become a voice. I want to say again, the greatest days in church history are not behind us. They are right now, and they're just ahead of us. The greatest days in church history. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, he raised eight people from the dead in the history of his ministry. One of them was his his own wife. His wife died, and he literally grabbed her dead body and threw it up against a wall and commanded her to come back to life, and she did. And the first thing she said to him is, why'd you do that? It's a true story. Let me go. That's what she told him. Let me go. Why'd you do that? He raised eight people from the dead in, in the history of his ministry. I'm telling you, the greatest days of church history are yet ahead. What if there's people in here that will actually raise the dead?
Reverend Ravenhill said, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. This is what I'm saying to you tonight, guys. God's promises are yes and amen. Seize the opportunity. Seize your life. Seize your hour. You're alive, and you got tons of life in you. You got you got tons of you got more years than you think. You got more time than you think. Don't you let the enemy intimidate you. You got more life in you. You got more years in you. You got to be a voice. You got to be a voice for God. This is no time to back down. This is a time to surge ahead. This is no time to retreat. This is a time to surge forward by faith. Amen. Lastly, I want to say this. What can God's word placed inside of your heart and inside of your mouth do in our generation if you become a voice? I want you to stand. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.